0: Hi, uh, my name's Rosie Boycott, I'm the chair of the London Food Board, and I'm talking to Abby Glencross, who is a food campaigner and a scientist. And we're going to start with the scientist bit, uh, because of course they're both very related. Abby, what is it exactly that you do in the world of meat?
1: Um, so by day I grow meat in the laboratory. Um, I'm what they call a cellular agriculturist, and that means I make animal products from cell cultures rather than directly from animals. Okay, so by day I work in the lab. (laughs) Why? Um, For me it started off as a kind of how do we de-incentivise factory farming, industrial farming, Um, and then it's been quite a journey through animal agriculture and agriculture in general, and I realise there's more to it than just industrial farming, and farming and food is so complex, but the core of it is how how do we get rid of industrial farming. And this is
0: one. I'm interested that you, you started with that as an ambition to get rid of industrial farming rather than a lot of other food campaigners would be saying let's get the world to eat less meat and then have less industrial farming as a byproduct of that.
1: I come from a in, not a farming background but basically all of my friends from home in Cornwall are farmers so I grew up around farming and animals and just assumed that the animals that you know I saw out in the fields were how the, the animals that you'd be eating in the evening Uh, or wrapped up in the supermarkets and then i also realized quite quickly that food is not rational the food system isn't Mm. rational environmentally yeah we need to eat less meat and we need to farm agroecologically but it's political social and economic and that's where solid agriculture has a place
0: how like meat is what you can produce what are you producing are you producing a steak a sausage a piece of bacon How long?
1: (laughs) So my research is on on more of the the steak side of it, um, because whole cuts of meat are what drive the food industry, drive the meat industry, not burgers and things. But at the moment, we can produce muscle-like fibres. So meat is incredibly complex in the most wonderful way. It's it's delicious. It has an amazing function um, within the animal. But at the moment we just use skeletal muscle cells from so you take a biopsy from a cow you mm-hmm. separate out the stem cells that lie it's called quiescent in the, um between two parts of the muscle mm-hmm. fiber they don't really do anything but then when you remove them you can make them multiply and then change into muscle fibers but muscle is um so meat is fat um, connective tissue um, capillaries it's it's very very complex and it's a co-culture like everything in nature So at the moment, we just take one part of it and cultivate that, um, which can give a sensory experience that mimics that of eating meat. But for it to become a product that people are going to want to eat, uh, I think more has to happen, and and you have to have more cell
0: types and different conditions and stuff. But has it got any nutritional value? I mean, Mm. if it hasn't been, it's like... a carrot that's been kind of cloned in the laboratory I mean where's the action of the soil or the grass and the food
1: yeah so that's totally totally true um, as far as nutritional value goes the muscle cells are, are what contain protein within mm. meat or predominantly contain protein so you've got that there as far as micronutrients go and um, work still needs to be done to see what actually um, makes those micronutrients, so in a B12 is actually made from bacteria, so if you have a sterile condition in which you're, you're making this meat, it won't have B12 right. in, so, so for me it's like how do, you, how do you mimic or take inspiration from nature to produce a product that isn't ever going to be exactly the same as meat, but could mimic this sensory
0: experience. Do you really see a big future for this, that this will be what's in the aisles of the supermarkets, and, and how would you label it?
1: Uh, it's weird how much attention it gets, it's it's Yeah, insane. because it's
0: kind of Frankensteinian, and, you know, yeah. you think of Dolly the Sheep when she arrived and... But I think... Is, oh, sorry, sorry I, was, no, I was going to say this is a kind of a new form of cloning in a in way.
1: At the moment it's not GM, so we don't change anything, you just take these cells out and you give them certain cues, like you starve them of this thing called serum, um, and that makes them change into muscle cells from these satellite um, skeletal stem cells. Um, do I see a future in it? Uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of people interested in this. And also for me, I've been on, like I said, this incredible journey this year. And when you go and meet agribusiness, you have to understand what drives them to industrially farm. What What is it that makes that um, attractive to them? And then you have to take what's attractive to them and offer them something better. Uh, and really sadly, agroecology is not gonna make them rich, but cultured meat, if you could totally take this industrial system and sort of deconstruct it to so offer them something with less risk that's economically competitive, less land use, no antibiotics, what they'd jump at it. So on one hand, you are creating sort of another industrial system, but it's better than the one that currently exists. And that's why I do other things on the side to build up the food system that we really would love to see. And everyone has this romanticized view of what it is. Um, but it has to be a two-pronged attack, I think.
0: Do you think that a lot of the food campaigners, myself included, you know, one's, one's vision of a of a differently farmed world is just a pipe dream?
1: No. I think it's something that we have to hold on to that can happen. We, we've proven that it can happen in the sense of there was a nature paper that just got released. Um, how do we feed the world in 2050? This a narrative that we're all fed and it's kind of what prompts us to to farm for yield or produce for yield, which is almost irrelevant now in a lot of senses. But it was this paper and it said 500 scenarios on how we're going to feed the world in 2050. And we have enough food now. Mm -hmm. Um, And we can also feed the growing population on wholly organic food in 2050. We just have to limit meat consumption, um, and Western society not set president for
0: developing countries, which is the way it's going. You don't think we're going to be forced into it through the impacts of climate change, soil degradation, weather extremes that are whether we like it or not now, changing the way that food is produced or the amount of food?
1: I think you'd like to think that it would force us into that and give us a wake-up call, but unfortunately the way we devise the food system, again, it's not rational. Rationally, if you think about it environmentally, that makes sense. You know, Co-culture of, of plants makes sense. Agroforestry, which people have been campaigning for for so long mm-hmm. to become a thing, makes sense, but it, yet it still isn't becoming a thing. Like, we're losing small-scale farmers in the UK. We've got 100 harvests left. like, And we're fed all the time, whether it's you know, Leonardo DiCaprio's new film, whether it's Cowspiracy. We need to change, yet we're not. So I don't know when the tipping point will be that something has to change or if it's going to have a flood of these kind of really alternative, almost far-out technologies, mm-hmm. including cellular agriculture, including cultivating algae on a mass scale, that seems so far away from nature but actually seem to feed into this weird not rational food system if you're a vegetarian can you eat your meat um depends why you're vegetarian so um if you're vegetarian because you don't like any slaughter of animals um, at the moment you still have to use animal derivative of a dead animal to make it but you won't in the product um, but if you do it for an environmental point of view that you don't like industrial farming maybe you can. It totally depends on why you're you're vegetarian, really.
0: Do you see a huge leap for the consumer to have to take this on board? I mean, you know, you think that people can't sell game, they can't sell people a whole trout. What's going to be the stumbling block mentally to accepting fake meat?
1: I think that um, the terminology around it is quite interesting, like lab meat or something like that, and people find weird they've coined it clean meat at the moment instead of cultured meat which which is terrible because that's weird it just makes sound like everybody else is eating dirty it's like clean eating Uh which uh has alienated the mass population on eating actually well for yourself so that would be a big thing but the weird weird thing is if you go to someone and say would you eat a factory farm pig?" they're like well of course not it's like well do you buy you know your pork from supermarkets yeah do you look where it's come from? Is it sore or socially? Mm-hmm. You know? uh, no. And I was like, it's probably factory farmed because I think 90% of pigs in the yeah. UK are factory farmed. And they're like, oh, right. And then they'll go and buy it again. Mm-hmm. So if you have it there, it's cost competitive, which is the predominant reason why people buy things. cost competitive, tastes very like similar. You wouldn't know the difference. People
0: will sort of eat what they're given, I think, in <laughs> a sort of way. Yeah, and if the price is okay. Yeah, I think if big, the price big. is right. I mean, presumably they can... Um, you can kind of set the price for this, can't you? Because the actual manufacturer, once you get going, is not going to be huge.
1: Um, subsidies are a really big problem. We subsidise meat within our system. We subsidise all food, to be honest. And that's a problem with things like how bread is so yeah. cheap. And so if you're fighting against a massively subsidised system, it's going to be hard. But that's where things like legislation and... Um, what what is this product and is
0: it better for certain things? So we will need political will and political buy-in to turn this into a, a real reality, not a small, you know, experiment.
1: Yeah, so there's no... I think it's classed as novelty food in the Netherlands. I don't think it's classed as anything here. Uh, and we're doing some work um, to do with that, basically, because... They come and ask the experts, and I'm not an expert, but I'm the only person who works on the technical side mm-hmm. of it in the UK. So I've been coined almost an expert, which is an interesting thing. Um, so there's a, there's a group of us who, who are kind of engaging with this because, yeah, it, can it be called meat? Well, the legislative term for meat means dehydrated animal product and um, where it's died because the blood has been um, drained from it.
0: Well, we don't have blood at the moment, so can I call it meat? Um, I'm not sure. So, that's really interesting i mean that's the sort of thing that would have gone to the european union in the past when you say it's a novelty meat in amsterdam in holland does that mean it's on sale yet is it on sale anywhere
1: no um okay.
0: that the one burger and there was a meatball that was made in the u.s but the, the cultured meat burger
1: that mark post and his team made in 2013 was funded by google and it was a proof of concept that we can do this you know i could do it now it cost me about Three hundred thousand pounds, but you know, I could grow. a <laughs> <that answer. laughs> But on the research stage, I could grow a load of muscle fibers and make a burger out of it. Do you, do you see it coming good in the next what five ten years? The projection for burgers, um, I think, was ten years or five years. I, I never, I never say like I'm not going to give a, a time scale on it because we, we're very good at doing that within
0: um, industries. And are you being offered lots of money by venture capitalists wanting to? Really go into the future with you on this.
1: I've I've been contacted by a lot of companies because there are no scientists working in it. Well, very very few. So a lot of them want to start up companies yeah. with their aspirations of making a lot of money, and they have no one to do the, the work. Um, but for me, fundamental research is so important. There, there are companies popping up with no, without the proper fundamental building blocks. Um, to make these products, and New Harvest, who I'm funded by from the States, they're all for fundamental research, Mm -hmm. because we need to get this right before a product comes to the shelves, and if you're being funded by industry or venture capitalists or or whatever, they're going to have an agenda, they need to make money from this, and you can't promise that you're going to have a product when you don't have one Um, now.
0: The rewards are potentially staggering, if you think of things like the Chinese market and the increase in the quantity of meat they're eating as a whole it's gigantic.
1: I think that people can start out on this journey with really good intentions of changing the world for the better and I think that it's very easy to get lost along the way in
0: money and hopefully that's something I'll never do. Abby thank you so much for sharing all that wonderful information with us today. My pleasure